What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So when I sold that company, they was calling me a sellout Uncle Tom. The white man going to take it and make way more money. I was like, ain't that the point? If somebody gives you millions of dollars for something, aren't they supposed to take it and make more money off of it? Yeah, that's why like, they bought that's it for why it. They bought it. Yeah, if I carry a business, I also carry the risk. We think Mark Zuckerberg owns Facebook. He owns a percentage of yeah. it. The shares are publicly traded. That was his exit. I'm going to sell 40% of the company. I'm going to make sure this money is safe. I'm going to keep some of the stock and I can keep some of the company. Tech saved my life and it changed my life. All right, listen, y'all. We've all been seeing everything that's been happening on social media. We've been seeing people talk about crypto, Web3. You know, we've seen people talk about blockchain, NFTs, AI, robotics, you know, semiconductors, superconductors. The list has been going on and on with a variety of different people talking about these conversations. And many of the people are just content creators that I have either never worked in tech, have never had a tech business, or they're really not even experts to speak on these topics. Now, listen, I believe these topics are important and should be discussed no matter who's talking about it, at least is putting our eyeballs on these really important topics. Nevertheless, the guest that we have today is somebody that is, I believe is an expert to talk on all of these topics. We never had someone that I believe is as poised and well-positioned, whether we're talking tech, we're talking about being a tech founder, uh, being a founder that's exited companies, being someone that's a thought leader when it comes to Web 3.0, crypto, blockchain, all of these different topics. We have that guest on here today that I'm incredibly excited about. This man has been making waves in in various industries for multiple years, so we are very excited to have them on here for our uh, 100,000 subscriber anniversary month for Tech is the New Black. Now, as always, though, we got to put some respect on his name, read off his amazing bio, so that way you all can become familiar, if you're not familiar already, with who our guest Armando is today. So Armando is a TEDx speaker and a 15-year veteran in the financial technology industry. Armando has successfully led technology growth and innovation at some point, excuse me, at some of the world's largest companies, including Home Depot and AAA. In 2016, Armando transitioned from his software engineering leadership role at AAA to the emerging tech world when he started ICO Ranker or ICO Ranker, an AI-driven web application that allowed investors to easily access new crypto projects. After a multi-million dollar buyout with this publicly traded company, with a publicly traded company, I'm butchering this bio. This is bad. Yes, sir. Right, I'm going to start over. Never had to start over a bio before. All right. So Armando is a TEDx speaker and a 15-year veteran in the financial technology industry. Armando has successfully led 
technology growth and innovation at some of the world's largest companies, including Home Depot and AAA. In 2016, he transitioned from his software engineering leadership role at AAA to the emerging tech world when he created ICO Ranker or ICO Ranker, an AI-driven web application that allowed investors to easily assess new crypto projects. After a multi-million dollar buyout by a publicly traded company, Armando has become a respected thought leader in the cryptocurrency space and known worldwide as a disciplined focus and influential emerging technology, financial, and tech innovator. In 2017, he chose to sell his company to Codebase Ventures, a publicly traded company for $2.5 million. And as we were talking about behind the scenes, it's going to be a little bit more than that, too. Continuing going, this choice made him a millionaire and gave him the foundation and funds to start Quant Index, a company focused on investing and developing emerging tech. In 2020, Armando was awarded the IBM Blockchain Award for his innovations on using blockchain to crowdsource COVID-19 solutions. In 2022, along with Kevin O'Leary, known on Shark Tank, Armando was added to the Benzinga Advisory Council for Blockchain and Cryptocurrency. I mean, y'all see what we're working with today. It's an incredible, incredible episode. Make sure you, you, you buckle your seats. Make sure you got your notepads out that you're listening, paying attention, because this conversation we're going to have is something that you're going to look back years from now and be like, man, they talked about it on Tech as a New Black. Armando, thank you so much, man, for being here on the show. I appreciate you, man. And also, congratulations on the 100,000 subscribers. Man, thank you so yeah. much, dude, bro. Man, I really <laughs> appreciate you. big. You know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't even think about this. And I was like, I, I didn't even plan on sharing this, but I, I'm going to go ahead and share this right now. One of the things, there's a lot of things I appreciate about you, like a variety of things. But one of the things I appreciate about you early on when, when I first got in tech and, and I was looking at all the different things uh, that were happening, I was like, man, we got to talk about these topics. And I started talking about stuff, talking about a variety of different things. And people would come to me and be like, man, Cyrus, like, you know, like, you know, how come no one is talking about these different topics? And then I remember looking up and seeing you on social media and I said, oh, this dude ain't just talking about it. Like, this dude is talking about stuff I'm not even talking about. This guy is really on top of these topics. And so, bro, I appreciate not just, you know, you being just successful in your own right, but you constantly dropping gems, nuggets, information that's, like, really impacting and benefiting the people. Yeah, because it's very important. Like, a lot of these things we talk about, Web3, uh, blockchain, AI, uh, these sound like to the average person, it sounds like pie in the sky stuff. Like, yeah, oh, it's just you know, that's just something they mess with, whatever. These things are going to dominate our world in five to ten years. Dominate our our careers. Dominate mm-hmm. our home life. Dominate society. Dominate uh, even even things like police work and politics. Mm-hmm. They're going to integrate. They're going <laughs> to uh, in- infiltrate all of that. Yeah. So whoever whoever the people that are that understand it early on are going to dominate that space. Yeah. And the same thing, if you look back at certain industries, like even, even with software engineering, right, is that mm-hmm. people of color are now, and, and it's very exciting, at, at the same time, they're coming into it now. Mm-hmm. Like, I spent most of my career, 15-year uh, software engineer career, and I may have ran into two people of, in the African-Americans or, you know, or maybe Hispanics, maybe three or four Hispanics or African-Americans total yeah. in my entire career that worked alongside me. That's how oh. bad. And I, when I was in grad school, I was the only black dude that was in the entire class. And it was like maybe about 40% Indian, yeah. maybe about 60% white and me. And there was 140 oh. people in that class. You know, That's insane. <laughs> and this is back in 2010. So it's yeah. changed a lot in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. 
And it is it's very important that uh, we as a people get involved in these technologies early. Yeah. Because that's who's going to be the CEOs, the leaders, the thought leaders 10 years from now. Yeah. No, no. Okay. That, that's really important. And it makes a lot of sense uh, why you talk touch on these topics. So I was saying earlier how we, we see a lot of different people that are talking about uh, having these conversations. Like you just touched on, some people think, okay, maybe there's just some pie in the, pie in the sky stuff. It's not that serious. How serious or how important would you say that it is that even the general person should like kind of really maybe like do some research or really pay attention to these conversations what's going to happen in the future is that you go five ten years from now uh, just like with with simple technology let's say let's go back to uh, to the 90s early 2000s right let's go down that period so in that period the internet was just starting but Mm -hmm. typing has already been out 20 years if you couldn't type you couldn't get a job at starting in the early 2000s. Oh, there was no such thing as like, and you go back to the 80s, mm-hmm. it was actually listed on like a job, uh, j- people that were, you know, job uh, requests. Yeah. Like you had to type, I don't know, you may not remember, I don't know, you had to type 135 words a minute for this job. You have to type 70 words a minute for this job. They took that off mm-hmm. because now it's expected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's crazy. I, I remember because I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a li- I'm a little bit younger than you, but I'm, I'm old enough to remember when I first started like yeah. applying to certain jobs where it would say, oh, you have to be able to type this many WPM or words yeah, per minute. that's gone. And he's like, yeah, I haven't seen that at all. Because <laughs> if, if you can't type, you can't have the job. It's, that's expected now. Yeah. It's not like, there's no, they don't even talk about words per minute no more because most yeah. people type 70, 80 now. Yeah. That's the baseline. Yeah. So that's what it's going to be in the future is AI stuff. Like right now, mm-hmm. they're listening. You got to know chat GBT or whatever. Yeah. But in give it five or 10 years, that's going to be expected. Like the typing. Oh. If you don't have it, you just can't have the job. And all Sheesh. jobs will expect it. That's true. It's especially because it is something that is is not now, but very soon will be like integrated in every single type of career. Go back to secretaries type before. And people are in that in, in kind of like administrative type uh, like career path. Yeah. But now every single job you have to know how to type. There's yeah. no job. You can work in a warehouse. You could be a UPS driver. They're making a lot of money now. But yeah. uh, you still got to know how to type because you have to type your reports and stuff at the end of the day. Yeah. This is how these new technologies, Web3, blockchain, AI are going to be five to ten years from now. Man, that's incredible. Look, l- let me know what y'all think in the comments about that. Um, let me know, like, what are y'all doing? So even if even if it's outside of you working a job in tech, let me know. Do you care about these things? Do you hear this and you're like, yo, okay, I need to go ahead and learn about some of these things to make sure I'm on top of it. Or do you disagree? You know, again, we're going to get we're going to dive deeper into this conversation. But let us know. Do you feel that this is something that you should pay attention to? Or are you like, ah, I don't think it's that serious. I think that they're just kind of blowing this up. And so uh, you know, we definitely want to hear from y'all. But look, man, there's a, a lot about your career that we're going to talk about, touch on as much as we can, as much as we could try to cover in this conversation. But one of the things I want to talk about is like, yo, who is Armando like? Like, where did you grow up at? Where are you from? What was life like growing up that eventually led you even to wanting to get in tech and be the person that you are? So I grew up in Tennessee, not far from, we're in Atlanta now, about a yeah. four, four and a half hours north in a place called Clarksville, Tennessee. Okay, yeah. So I grew up there. Uh, so I, you know, my father left when I was three. So we kind of, we're, we're, you know, kind of in sort of poverty yeah. uh, for a lot of my life. So I, I, the first time I ever got into tech is that, um, uh, I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. um, and even the school didn't have computers yet. So I was maybe about seven, eight, maybe nine years old. 
And uh, in the library, they had these books. Uh, they were like American Boy's Life or something. Mm -hmm. But in that book, if you uh, if you go to like a certain certain page, there were these basic. Uh, it would tell you how to like type these basic programs into your computer, and then that's, they would like create these games. Mm -hmm. So it was basic instructions, maybe three pages of it. Mm -hmm. You would type these instructions in, and then it would create a program on your computer. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have a computer, <laughs> so but I would look at these basic instructions, the if statements, the loops, and all this stuff, yeah. and it would just like fascinate me, mm -hmm. and I would just like copy them down and like make pseudo code and like try to change it around to what I would think. But I would never actually have a computer, so I did this for years. That's, you were yeah. like playing with code, <laughs> playing with code without a computer. computer. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so, but but the if statements, all that stuff, just like fascinated me. Yeah, the loops and how you know I would just put the you know think about the data in my head and stuff like that. Yeah. But I never had a computer. So um, I didn't have a computer until I was like 18 or 19, but but I did. I got lucky because um, when I was about 13 or 14, my mom used to love to go to yard sales, right? Mm -hmm. So she was. Uh, I had the. I was supposed to for the ninth for ninth grade for uh, I think it was algebra or something. I was supposed to get a TI 86 calculator, Texas Instrument. Okay. TI 86, and my mom didn't know the difference. So she was at a yard sale and she found this TI 85 calculator. And she bought it for me and gave it to me. Here, I found it, you know, way cheaper than what you know we go to the store and bought it. But that wasn't the right one for the class. But the thing oh, about man. the TI eighty five, the TI eighty six was like locked down, so you couldn't do nothing with it. TI eighty five had an open back end where you could write code. Oh <laughs> wow, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> So I got that. It was like a C-based language. It was like kind of yeah. like a stripped-down C-based language. And you could write if statements. You could write code. You could take inputs. You oh, could do whatever man. you wanted. So, and after, you know, I've been looking at that for a few years. I started, like, typing code in this calculator. Yeah. I made games. I made a bunch of stuff. Like, I can go online. You can go on, like, you could go on the internet. Then you could download these instructions. You could mm -hmm. put, like, Tetris in there and all this stuff. Yeah. And it was, it just, man, it just amazed me, man. So, and then, um. So I, ended, I did that for years, and you know, school had computers and stuff. I never had a computer at home until I was like mm -hmm. nineteen or twenty. So I got into college, and uh, my mom was a, a janitor at the college at mm -hmm. uh, at, at Austin Peay State University where I went to school. So I got half price tuition, and that that along with the Pell Grant. So I was like making money going to oh, school. Oh yeah, the Pell Grant covered everything, but then I got half tuition. Yeah, so um, that's fire. So I went there the first year. I, I went pre med because mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's what my mom wanted me to do. <laughs> but after, uh, so we had to take. I had to take. Uh, a class in computer science because that was like a pre everybody had to take that mm -hmm. so when I took that man it was just like everything changed for me right yeah. then I was like at 18, 19 years old and that class man like I I, I had a 1.8 when I graduated high school mm -hmm. I was a horrible high school student because nothing really interested me like yeah. I and I thought high school I felt like high school was like everybody graduates high school so why am I even going to try like I Dang, just didn't that's feel true. like yeah. yeah I felt I didn't feel like it was like nothing extraordinary yeah so I just didn't really try. But when I got into college and I saw that the teacher part is computer science stuff, mm -hmm. code and C plus and Java and all this stuff, C plus plus and Java. And I, man, it just like it changed everything. Yeah. And like I finally found a place that I, I felt like I belonged. Yeah. That's and then fire. from there on, just, you know, and like I, I, was, I had straight A's. And the first time I ever had relationships with professors mm -hmm. was computer science professors. Like, I would go and talk to him, laugh at him. You know, we were yeah. like a family. That's the first time. I was always kind of, like, intimidated by teachers and professors up to mm -hmm. that point. And then I just, man, it just changed. It changed my entire life. Tech changed me. And uh, I'm almost about to, like, shed a tear, man. Yo, that's fine. Tech, tech saved my life, and it changed my life. Yeah, I mean, but you're you're changing people's lives and saving people's lives yeah. through tech. So it's like kind of like a full circle thing. Yeah, it is. That's, that's why I'm fire. so passionate about it, because I know the power of tech to change people. Yeah. What... So hearing that, and that's bro, that that's such a phenomenal story. 
when I hear that, one of the things I've noticed, we've had a few guests. I've noticed, like, man, some of the, the most, like, I guess rock star guests we've had that careers have really, like, taken off and they've just done some phenomenal things. One of the common threads that I've heard, and I mean, Eric I mean, Eric could probably uh, maybe agree with this as well, is that many of them, when they were very young, they were interested in tech and technology. Whether, one, their parents intentionally, very few, but a couple of their parents intentionally were like, no, look into this stuff. But many times it was something like your story where it was kind of accidental. And one of the things that, that's got me thinking about is like, man, you know what? And, and, and I definitely want your thoughts on this. Like, what do you think about parents? Like, right. Because a lot of parents like put their kids in football. They're like, oh, I'm going to yeah. get my kid in football. So that way they could be, a, you know, a football or they'll get them in boxing or or karate or something. And many times it's many times it's because they're hoping that eventually their child could be that that point zero zero one percent that makes it. But one of the things I think about is like, yo, hearing your story, it's like, man, what if parents put their children in some type of tech program while their minds are still sponges and they're curious? And it's like instead of it being a point zero zero one percent chance of them making it, it's like I'm gonna say guaranteed, but it's like close to guaranteed of them being yeah, successful. So I got a good I actually got a good uh, insight into that. Like I also play basketball a lot. I'm yeah. tall, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I actually I played overseas. Yeah. Uh, for oh yeah. A year and a half. I actually yeah. saw it on there. Yeah. But I tried to make the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that okay. was my go. That was my like. I, I that was my dream. Mm-hmm. Like I loved computer science. So my ultimate dream until I was like in high school was like, man, I want to go to the NBA. I want to go to the NBA. Yeah. Man, it's hard to make the NBA. <laughs> People are ridiculously athletic, ridiculously tall. Yeah. And even when I went overseas, like I wasn't nowhere near one of the better players. I was like maybe like the last like. Ranking out of 13 players, 12 players, I was ranking like 7 or 8. Hey, even you overseas. Know? Even okay. overseas, yeah. right? It was a lot easier to yeah. make it in tech. <laughs> you know? It was a lot easier to become a yeah. multi-millionaire, you know, yeah. quote-unquote star in this world yeah. than it was in basketball. Yeah. So I'm assuming football and other sports are the same way. Yeah. Is that you? it's a lot easier to go this path. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's a lot easier to be a, you know, a star on this path. Yeah. So I would encourage people, especially kids, is that – and there was a report, too, that came out that said that the average software engineer over their lifetime makes more than the average NBA player. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then even – I mean, the majority of of those athletes go bankrupt. Exactly, and their career only careers. lasts for yeah, very short yeah. careers. I have, uh, and I'm sure you you probably experienced this as well, especially one with your background, your network, everything you've done. I have uh, probably about three or four different athletes that are either currently like they're like at the end of their career, or they 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 stopped playing a couple years ago. That have been in my inbox saying, "Yo, man, like, how do I yeah. get this whole tech Same career type thing of thing?" Yeah. And so it's it's definitely a career path that, at the least, is something for people to fall back on. But definitely something that I think parents should have their children look at adjacently to the other things that they're into. And like it's unlike any other career is that, uh, and this is what I love about tech is that. Uh, we always we talk a lot about intellectual property and stuff like that and how that mm-hmm. creates a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. Well, tech is the same thing. Is that mm-hmm. I can make something one time. I can have a I can have one brilliant idea, just one, mm-hmm. make it once, and make millions of dollars off this idea over years. Mm-hmm. One idea, and like there's no other field that, that's like that. Like yeah. you have to continuously produce. That's true. Right? In tech, I could just make one one bright idea. Yeah, and it just grows into something. You know. Uh, that, that, that's phenomenal and makes me a multimillionaire. Yo, I'm happy you brought that up because that, that leads perfect into the uh, the next question. Now, this one, this is going to ruffle a few feathers, 
But it's, it's important to have this conversation. It's going to be very educational for some people. So in 2017, you sold your company, Ico Ranker, for 2.5 mil. Oftentimes, the general public gets upset when they hear a man or woman of color sells their successful business. But want to know from you, like, first, why did you sell it? But also, why is it a common theme that people are selling their businesses instead of just passing it down to their children? Okay, so um, I'm gonna tell you this: When I sold that company, yeah, man, my inbox was like it was a lot of people that was happy and, and congratulating me. Yeah, but about thirty percent of those was like calling me a sellout, Uncle Tom. They were saying things like the white man gonna take it and make way more money That's than I did. Yeah, and then the thing about me, it was confusing to me because I was like, I was like, ain't that the point? If somebody buys and gives you millions of dollars for something, yeah. aren't they supposed to take it and make more money off of it? Yeah, that's why like, they bought that's it for why it. They bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he does. So he's like, well, yeah. you know, like if I buy like a, a stock, mm-hmm. I expect it to go up. That's why I'm buying it. That's, that's the true. same thing as the company. They, yeah. If he made 10, 20 million, I don't care what he makes because I made yeah. what I made. Yeah. Right. And we kept stock in the company too. So we, if it would have blew up, oh, you know, uh, we would have made a bunch of money anyway. Yeah. But uh, but the thing about it is that. I, we built that coming out of business part too. We built it with the intention to sell it. Yeah. When I started, I said, I'm, I'm going to build this in a way mm-hmm. that I can easily sell it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So we kept the books clean. We kept the code clean. That's good. We made sure that the, uh, we made, we, we kept the revenue high. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of times I tell people like, you know, it goes around online. Oh, t- write your car off on your, your company or take vacations. Yeah. Then the profits flow. You can't, Ooh, you won't make a lot of money in the sale. That's true. So, you know, I, we didn't do none of that. We yeah. kept the, the revenue and the profit high yeah. over a year. So, we turn it, it's a multiple when they you buy a company from you. Yeah. It's based on revenue per month or per year mm-hmm. or profit per month or per year. If you cut it down due to all these expenditures, the multiple is a lot lower and you make a, and, and you make a lot less money yeah. on the sale. You can lose millions of dollars because you bought a Lamb, uh, uh, like a Range Rover. Yeah. Millions of dollars on the sale. Man, that's so, crazy. So, yeah, so we built it with that intention. And then when they, somebody bought it, we could just hand it over to them. That was yeah. the whole point, right? So, uh, I, and the reason why is because in any anything you do, it don't matter whatever business you start, you need to start it with that mindset. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. is because even if you don't sell it, there's only three ways out of a business, right? You sell it, you give it to somebody, or it fails. There's no other way to get, no other nothing else that can happen to a business. That's true. So, if I'm, and, and one time I remember a woman uh, called me when I first started this Instagram stuff. A woman said, can I call you? I want to talk to you about something. I said, yeah. So she was talking about how her parents gave her a liquor store. Okay. And, um, and she was crying on the phone saying a liquor store was negative profit. She works 15 hours a day and she just wants to get rid of it. Wow. So I'm thinking, I'm saying her parents gave her a bad business. That's not a business. That's, that's, a, that's a, a burden. Yeah. Right. So if her parents would have built it in a way to sell early on and they didn't sell it, they gave it to her. It would have been profitable, would have been clean and all everything would have been done correctly. So she would have took a profitable business. You see, because they didn't think about all that when they handed it over to somebody else. It's not the business. It's not a business no more. It's a burden. That's true. No matter whatever you start, whenever you start a business, you you should build it to sell, even if you have no intentions to sell it. Yeah. Because everything's clean. That's true. No. Man, that's so solid. That's so solid to hear that. You know, I, I didn't realize until after getting into this industry, because obviously it's usually a lot of people that look like us, many times it's black and brown community that are very, like you mentioned, like they'll they'll hear, oh man, he's he sold that company, oh he's he's a yeah. sellout. 
I would have done this. I would have done that. And it's, it's usually people that aren't in a position to even do that. And But what I've noticed, like many times we get flack for it. What I've noticed is that I got in this industry. I said, white people do this all, all the, time. the time. It's just we're not aware. That's we're not paying what a, attention. That's what an IPO is. Yeah. Is that like, like a, if, a, if I have a, first of all, you got to remember, if I carry a business, I also carry the risk. Yeah. You know, the entire risk entire, of business. All, all of the swimming. So what most businesses do is like we think Mark Zuckerberg owns Facebook. He owns a percentage of yeah. it. The public, his, the shares are publicly traded. That was his exit. Yeah. I'm going to sell 40% of the company. I'm going to make sure this money is safe. Yeah. I'm going to keep some of the stock and then I can keep some of the company. Yeah. He exited. Yeah, that's, that's what true. he did. Right? He yeah. don't own all of it. And a lot of times, like people like Jeff Bezos, he sold the majority of yeah, it. Yeah, he doesn't even own the yeah. majority of Amazon. That's and true. He got rid of all of it because he had to get rid of the risk. Yeah. You can't carry that risk year over year. Eventually, something's going to happen. Yeah. That just shows like the level of ignorance that we have around business because it, why, why would you intentionally want to work and hold on to all of their risk your entire life as opposed Man. to building something that has value and selling it at the end? Like it just don't, exactly. it just don't make sense. To, you exit to it, and like they say, a lot of times these multiples when you get them there, like even like Amazon stock and Facebook stock, the the price valuation is based on multiple years of revenue, right? So you're getting it all up front. You know, you're getting like 10 years of revenue right now. You know what you can do with that? You can invest it. You can get a return on it. You can put it in different investment vehicles and make a you know passive income. There's a lot of things you can do with that if you get it now. That's a, it's a concept called opportunity cost of money. Is that if I wait for the money over a longer period of time, I'm losing opportunity Ooh. as opposed to when I get it today, I can do a lot of things with it that I couldn't do with money over 10 years. It's like the lottery. Uh, when people, uh, people, so you hear people talking about they'll take the, the month, the, the payment over time like that's stupid to take the payment over time yeah. like you take the lump sum and you would do more with that lump sum you can sum do more with the lump that's sum true. in most cases yeah. yeah man that's fire oh man look let us know what y'all think about this in the comments I mean he just dropped some major major gems how familiar were y'all when it comes to the, the, the pieces that he just mentioned you know and also how do you feel about it after hearing this do you still disagree would you sell your business or are you of the, the type that would say, no, I'm going to stay with a business all my life, pass it down to my children, to my generations, or instead, would you sell a business, leverage that money how he has to put it into other opportunities as well, and then be able to expand that even further? We definitely want to hear from y'all. I want to touch on one more thing is that yeah. when we sold it, that we, we got 2.5 cash, yeah. but we also got way more in stock. The stock was in the parent company that bought it. Oh, my so gosh. So we still, in a way, owned it. Even today, we haven't yeah. sold all of that. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is that we still own a part of that, yeah. that, that company that, that bought our, our technology. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that we didn't, we didn't really sell out 100%. Yeah. You know, we still have some stake in whatever they do in the future. That's fire. That's Yo, that's such a gem. That's such a gem. Not only can you sell it, get that get that money remove all of the risk from being on your shoulders but now like depending on what they do with the business as it scales you still have a part ownership to where you're able to passively collect money after but that's 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 low key a play that a risk lot of people is very important on. man and like and like financial decisions is that 
in any kind of business is risk is always a factor. And most yeah. people just kind of disregard risk. It's, it's not even like it's not. It's always there and you always got to constantly manage it and balance it out in your life. Yeah. You can't if you carry all the risk here. You got to do something else to balance out that much risk. Yeah. You have to sell. And that's what the, that's what rich people do all the time. Yeah. The IPO exits, the selling the companies, all this stuff is the, the banks do it constantly. Man. Banks look over their books every month and start rebalancing risk all around their uh, portfolios. That's true. Hey, so listen, y'all, we need to talk about Pivot Tech Bootcamp. Pivot Tech is a virtual bootcamp that guarantees job placement. Yes, y'all heard that correct. They guarantee job placement. Now, they have a variety of different courses, including what the guest is talking about that you're listening to right now. But outside of those courses, they also assist with different forms of mentorship and other forms of education. Not only do they provide mentorship and career placement, but we've partnered with them and they're allowing our audience up to $300 off with our discount link, Tech is the New Black. So again, that's hashtag Tech is the New Black to get up to $300 off their courses. Now again, y'all, they're worth checking out. They guarantee career placement. But when you do their boot camp, make sure to keep us posted on your journey breaking into tech. Man, bro, you, you, you dropping some, some fire right now. Some fire. So look, so we've spoken to a lot of guests who have discussed Web 3.0 with our audiences, but we've never touched on blockchain. Simply put, what? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Is blockchain and why should the general listener care about it? 
So blockchain is a new way of storing transactions. Now, we, we're familiar with it through cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. So if I send you a Bitcoin, or where does that transaction get stored? Like traditionally, it's in a database somewhere, a mm -hmm. bank's database. They said Armando sent Cyrus $1 or whatever. They yeah. store it somewhere. So it subtracts one from me and adds one to you. And now we know that you know that dollar has been exchanged. Yeah. Well, blockchain is a different way of doing that. Right now, it's centralized. So it's in one place. The bank has it. Decentralized means it's across many computers all over the world. Right, so blockchain is a new way of storing these transactions and these balances in a way that can't be changed, can't be altered, and there's no central authority that has mm -hmm. complete control over it, like a bank. Mm -hmm. So that gives extreme power because it takes the power away from these banks and these big organizations and distributes it among the people. Mm -hmm. So it, it it's a it's a it's a new way of, of of storing this stuff, and it's not just for you know me sending you a dollar or sending you a bitcoin. A lot of data can be stored like this. NFTs yeah. are stored on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, different other d data points, you know, different titles, uh, hopefully car titles and car deeds and everything will be stored in the blockchain. Yeah. And the power of that is that the blockchain can never be altered for change. And it's always there because it's stored on a lot, you know, many, many different computers. Mm -hmm. And the only way that the blockchain can go forward is that the, the data has to be the same across all these computers. Okay. So because it's duplicated so many places, it can never be lost because let's say 90% of them go down. Well, 10% still have the data. Mm -hmm. Let's say all of them go down except for one. That one still has the data. Yeah. Because it's distributed all over the world, there's no way you really can, there's no way to lose the data. Yeah. And there's nobody can go in and alter it because if you alter one computer, what well, other ones don't match up? So, man. It's a new, it's a, it's a, it's been out for about what, 13 years, but technology wise, it's very, very new. Technology yeah. takes 20, 25 years to integrate into society. People don't realize that wow. the average technology does. Do you, so, do, you, do you think that that's something that will, I guess, speed up? Where it has sped up over time. Like okay. the, I think the telephone took like 50 years from invention to where it was like in 75% of houses. Dang. It, it has sped up. But yeah. it, even the internet took like 20 years. Digital cameras took 30 years. Yeah. Uh, and the reason, most recent one really was like was cell phones. Yeah. So cell phones took about 25 years from invention to when they actually like 75% of people had them. So yeah. it takes a long time, man. It, it, you know. You know. When I, I hear I hear everything you broke down when it comes to blockchain, I actually think about because I'm 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 still considered new money. Yeah, I got into tech two years ago, October fourth. It's uh, currently right now at the time of this recording. It's uh, early September. I got into tech October fourth of twenty twenty one, and it wasn't until I had never I had never had ten thousand in my bank account until probably about I think like that January January February yeah. the first time I was making some money. It seemed and, like a lot at first. Yo, it seemed like a lot at first. Now I would panic if I had, if I That's what if twenty thousand didn't count. I'd panic. I'm like, ah! But uh, but that being said, I remember. So realistically, when I first when I first moved to uh to my my spot in Atlanta, and it was the first time I had to make a payment that was I think my my rent was uh in my spot in Atlanta was four thousand dollars. It was the first time I ever had to make a payment that was over three thousand dollars. So I go to make the payment. I had more at that time. I probably had about forty thousand, fifty thousand in my account. I go to make the payment, and it's like, oh, payment don't go through. So then I'm thinking, oh, the bank thinks it's fraud. So I tell the bank, oh no, it's not fraud. And the bank says, oh no, but you can't make the payment. I'm like, what you mean? That's what I'm saying. I, what you talking about? <laughs> I have the money in my account. I'm thinking, what you mean? Yeah. I'm like the account. I got. I see, and they say, oh yeah, you have the money, but. They said, you have a spending limit. A spending limit on my money? Yeah. They were like, yeah. I was like, that was the first time I was introduced to that. 
And then I, I had to go through this whole protocol for them to say, okay, we can raise it. Okay, but we're just going to raise it just for today. Yeah. Just for today, it's my money. And then, Try of course, it. now it's at a point where I have a higher spending limit and now I have... Con- but realizing that, so my question is, because, and I've heard horror stories of business owners where their bank will say, oh, yeah, we're just not, no matter what discussion they have, yeah. the bank will say, nope, we're not going to give you access to that amount of money. And their business suffered because of it, or they had to wait a certain period. With the conversation we're having about blockchain and cryptocurrency, are you saying that it's something to where when a business owner or individual wants to access their money or currency, they can do that and no one's able to tell them no? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, that's, that's the power of the blockchain. It's free. It's, no, uh, it's transparent. It's free. And nobody can, there's no third party intermediary. So yeah. there's nobody to stop you from getting access to your money. Mm-hmm. Now, like this, just like we were talking about, if you go to the bank today and you say, I want to take out thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, they yeah. won't give it to you. Yeah, no. You have to fill out a form and come back later. Mm-hmm. And then they'll give it to you. Yeah. You know, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing, if they don't, if they feel like, you know, it has to be approved and they have to, you have to, and you have, on that form, you have to give them a reason. Yeah. Why are you taking out that much cash? Yeah. When I, I remember the process I went through when I got my, uh, my Aston was, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. I was like, yo, this, and it's, and it's things, and the reason for these conversations, y'all, is because again, many of y'all either just got in tech or many of you are working to get in tech and these are things you don't even know that you're going to have to deal with. So it's like these are that's why it's important to learn about, hey, what's happening with crypto and blockchain, all these different things that we're discussing, because it might be something you want to look into, especially since one, this is the way the world is is shifting and turning over to. But two, this can help save you a lot of headaches and risk and things in the future. Uh, man, so thank you so much, man, for uh, for dropping gems on this, dude. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. So, so we got a lot more to talk about. Uh, so with that, so we talked about blockchain, but you did something pretty interesting with blockchain where you were able to crowd, you were able to use blockchain to crowdsource COVID-19 solutions. How did you use blockchain to do that? So uh, this is another side project we had back in 2017 uh, through our company, Quant Index. Mm-hmm. It was a hiring platform in which we, uh, we incentivized people to use blockchain to uh, crowdsource uh, employment. Okay. And so what this basically does, the problem, it was, it was at the time there was uh, there was a lot of problems because of COVID and so that in employment. Yeah. Um, a lot of the recruiters were closed and, you know, it was a lot of, uh, you know, just, just uh, disorganization in yeah. everything, if you remember. So what we did is we created a, a solution that, uh, like, people just sitting at home, and especially people, they needed ways to make money. Mm-hmm. So let's say a job got put out into the marketplace, right, uh, during COVID. Let's say, it was a, let's say it was a software engineer because we're talking about tech, right? Mm-hmm. So traditionally what happens is a recruiter would get that job, and they would call up their, their contacts to see if they could find a, a place, uh, uh, somebody to place in that job. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is that that person's network is limited, like they, they may go through LinkedIn and maybe go to some contacts, some emails they have, and that's the end. They're at the end of their rope. Yeah. So we wanted to incentivize people who are just at home. Like let's say for example, oh. like 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 a recruiters uh, back there, in those days, uh, they were making like twenty, thirty thousand dollars. That's what people don't understand. They make you know you make twenty. I didn't know this until I started working on it. They make twenty, thirty thousand. Sometimes a lot more for every engineer they place at a company. Mm-hmm. Wait, oh, you mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I just it's, recently found that out. That's crazy, yes. I, I didn't know that. I would have charged yes. them back in the day. <laughs> oh my god, but 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 so it goes to one recruiter, one person mm-hmm. gets thirty thousand dollars for placing one software engineer for like a year. So, um, 
So we were like, that's a lot of money. So why don't we just take this money and instead of giving it to one person, we give it to a hundred. Okay. So we give each person a little bit to reach out to their networks and see how many, you know, how many people. So once that one person gets hired, the person who actually brought the hire gets a larger share, but everybody who was Ooh, involved gets a small share. That's fire. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was when I when I saw that as I was kind of looking through your information and everything, I was like, how like why did how did he do this? But yeah, that's how we that do is it. incredibly smart because I, I recently met someone who uh, in Miami uh, who's a guy. We're eventually gonna have him on the podcast. His uh, name is uh, Chris. I haven't said on my phone is Chris Staffing because he uh, he does like contract staffing yeah. with uh, companies. And yeah, the contracts that sometimes you can crazy, get for man. doing that yeah. is, is wild. That's a tech career people need to go into. It, it really is. It really if is. If you know the lingo and you know what, uh, like you have to know like what skill sets are needed for different jobs. Once yeah. you figure that out, man, you can make a lot of money in tech yeah. recruiting. Man, it's, it's, it's so many. I feel like there's like almost endless ways to get the bag. Yeah. today it's it's honestly like and the thing about it man is a person and this is this is actually i'm giving somebody so you can actually start a if it was me and i, I could go back to let's say 15 years ago yeah when i was like in my 20s i would start a tech recruiting firm because mm. all you have to do you don't you just have to learn a particular skill set yeah that's it and then you have to get maybe two or three of your friends together and just go to tech, like Afro Tech or whatever. Make the connection. Find talent. Oh, my gosh. Hey, we're, we're, uh, we get black talent. Yes. That's it. That's and it. Then you, somebody else you meet, find a black engineer, you take his card. Give out your card to the people that are searching and just go back home, build up databases. Oh, my gosh. $20,000 a placement. Tech is new, but we about to start doing that. We, we, <laughs> tech is a new staff. Tech is a new staff. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> It would be so easy to do. That's all. Yeah. That's literally all you would have to do. Yeah, is go to every black or either. It don't matter any tech conference. Yeah, and just take cards people who need them and hand them yeah. out to hand them out to people who need yeah. the, uh, talent and take cards people who are talent. That's so smart because most of these events, first off, there's a limited amount of tech companies that can be there at those events exactly. that are sponsors. So then let's say it's a, let's say it's a conference and let's say there are 50 tech companies that are there. Let's say only five of the companies that are there are even hiring for the role that that individual is trained in versus you. You have a network of companies. Maybe it's a thousand yeah. companies. And then, yeah, you go to individuals. No individual is going to say, no, I don't want your help with yeah, being able to land a role. It's I like I'm literally at this that. conference to Smaller land a role. companies, too. Like, you don't even have to go for the big ones. Go to, like, maybe 10, 15 employees. They yeah. need help, too. Oh. So it, 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 those opportunities are ridiculously big. Yeah. Yo, he dropping some game right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm about That's to give up the video game. <laughs> oh, yeah, for real. Yo, man. Bro, man, love this so much, man. I, I feel like you're you're one of the guests where I feel like, man, we could talk for 10 hours and they're just game after game after game you can uh, you can drop. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk about is something I saw you post recently. So recently you had posted about uh, you had posted about the 2024 Bitcoin having is the biggest financial opportunity in our lifetime. So first off, what is the Bitcoin having and why is it the greatest opportunity for us? So Bitcoin came into being around 2009 and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people speculate that it was in response to the 2008 crash. crash yeah. yeah. So what happened during that 2008 crash that was kind of uh, notable was that they printed up, I think it was $800 billion and they gave it to the banks to, uh, to save the banks. Right. So a lot of people that started Bitcoin, uh, nobody knows exactly who started, yeah. but 
it's it's just assumed that he started in in response to that. Like mm-hmm. he was he was against just creating money out of out of thin air. Yeah, and he wanted money to be restricted mm-hmm. and and scarce. So Bitcoin yeah. was the, the base code that creates Bitcoin was created with that in mind. So there's only only 21 million Bitcoins can ever be created. And most are already created. So what happens is that wow. does it through Bitcoin mining, through the Bitcoin mining network. Yeah, that's how Bitcoins come into being. Mm-hmm. So every ten minutes um, before 2020, there was 12 and a half Bitcoins that came out. Okay. Every ten minutes, 12 and a half. You know, it would go to the miners, and the miners would either sell them or they keep them. Right. So yeah. that's the flow of Bitcoins into the economy. Okay. So uh, in May of 2020, uh, that was cut in half. Right, because in okay. the Bitcoin code it says it roughly. It is based on block time, but it ends up happening every four years. Every four years they're going to cut that supply in half. First okay. it was twenty five, then it was twelve and a half, then it, so that's it the halving. Okay. It was six and a quarter now. Okay. So the next time that's going to, and then if you look at the chart of Bitcoin, you remember right around May of twenty two thousand. That was like right when the pandemic was starting, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden Bitcoin just shot up that year. Yeah, it did. It went crazy. That's because of the having. It happens every time. Oh, yeah. It was 2020. That's why so many Bitcoin millionaires That's were made. Why. And if you go back to the time it happened oh, before, six months after it happened before, you go back to six months, it happened after that. Wow. So, it, like, like, just think about something that we all understand, oil. So, yeah. we woke up in the morning, they said they cut the supply. They're going to cut the supply oil by half tomorrow. The price of oil will skyrocket. It's almost it's simple supply and yeah. demand. It's one of the most predictable things in all of finance. Jeez. And the next one is in March of 2024. Oh, my gosh. You know, I remember because I, I don't keep up. I'm not heavy uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency. I definitely I'm, I'm on it enough to know. First off, it's definitely the future. I, I know obviously they went through a lot of stuff the last couple of years. And I was I know it's clearly the direction yeah. the future is going in. But one of the things that I'm, I'm familiar with is that I know that recently the uh, the SEC uh, was putting. I know it. It wasn't. It wasn't Bitcoin. It was XRP. It was yeah XRP. They had them like basically on like I guess trial or they were kind of reviewing yeah. it. Like where are they currently at with that? Uh, they actually like about two months ago they deemed XRP not a security in certain cases. Yeah, and that's what that whole case was about. It was about um, if XRP, which is a cryptocurrency, is a security yeah. or not. Now, if it's not a security. It can they can almost do almost anything they want almost. Yeah. It's still rules, but they can do it. if it's a security they're under the SEC, which is the Security Exchange Commission. So yeah. they have to abide by certain rules. They can't take certain investors. They have to uh, do you know a lot of regulations apply. Yeah. So that means that they broke a bunch of laws. If they're mm. security, well, you didn't follow any of these regulations. So yeah. that means that you broke laws. So now we can sue you. We, some people may go to jail. Yeah. A lot of stuff can happen. But it was deemed not a security. But it, in, in most cases, it was okay. deemed not a security. So that caused a spike of the price to go up a little yeah. bit. I had it a lot of friends 40, earlier this year 50, predicting that was going to happen. Yeah. But the case is not over yet because yeah. the SEC, after that, that judgment was made, they want to uh, appeal it. So that's a, some worry about that out there. And the whole case, the, it was just a small part of the case. The entire case is yeah. not over yet. So we're still yeah. waiting for that to happen. Yeah. But I believe that uh, it's not going to be a security once it's all said and done. Yeah. The SEC is just, I, I always thought this case was just, uh, it wasn't a, a solid case. Yeah. It's just them trying to get involved in stuff. I, I don't know, but uh, I don't think it's, they're going to win. Yeah. I think XRP is going to prevail. Yeah. Yeah, most of my friends that are uh, heavy with cryptocurrency all agree with you. They've all said yeah. told me the exact same thing. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's almost it's a garbage case. Yeah. yeah, and they've shared that 
once it's, I guess, the case is over and if it goes in a direction that you're believing is going in and they believe is going in, they said that they believe there's going to be a flood to the cryptocurrency market. There will be. Yeah. The most guaranteed, especially because remember, that may coincide with that halving, which is on the horizon for March of 24. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is going to happen. Oh, that'll be crazy. And, uh, XRP could go to $20, $30 if that happens. Oh, the XRP gosh. gets, uh, it's a loss that's over before then, and then the halving happens. But the having happens in Bitcoin, but Bitcoin, uh, whenever Bitcoin goes up, all yeah, the, all the rest are going to go too. up. Too. It's like yeah. last time, you know, mm -hmm. every every day it's another coin. This has been happening for 12 years. Yeah. Every four years. It's like you have an 18 month, what they call a hype cycle or a bull yeah. market, and then it crashes, then it starts all over. It's been happening since Bitcoin was created because of that having. It's, 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 it's hard coded. So every four years it cuts the supply and then the, the, uh, the you know, the market reacts to that cut yeah. of the in demand state. It stays the same or goes up, and then it causes uh, the price to rally. Yeah. It, it's been happening for 12 years. That's why I'm saying it's the biggest opportunity because it's predictable. Yeah. And it's right on the horizon. Man, there's there's so much that I think because I think about, I mean, when we talk about, okay, tech, and tech in itself is such a broad term. It's like we, we have these conversations about tech, AI, all these things. And I mean, I feel like this is one of the first times, if not the first time in history, where everything is right in our face. And it's like there's almost, I mean, let me know like what you think about this. It's almost no excuse for like for the people that kind of fall in their faces or the people that are kind of caught with their pants down. It's almost no excuse that they I have. I believe it is because if you go back to the 80s, 70s, and 60s, I mean, you had to, to get like the information we have at our fingertips. Yeah. You had to take a trip to the library, talk to the librarian. She'd point you at the right book, go to these big, I don't know if you remember the card catalogs. Yeah. Had to find, a, I mean, it was so hard just to find uh, it, like something as simple as that a white elephant's native to Africa. Yeah. And that would take you all day. <laughs> Dog, that's crazy. Now it's just boom, boom, you got access to everything. I mean, yeah. anything right there. And people are still ignorant, which I don't understand that. Man. That is, I don't, I don't really get that. Like, yeah. But people still are ignorant to a lot of simple facts about life. Yeah. And all they have to do is look it up. So I, I, I agree with you. I just mm -hmm. think there's really not a lot of excuses for not knowing some of this stuff, you know. Uh, and it, it normally it's the people you're hanging around. That's probably the where it starts at. That's very true. Because it's, it's always that thing is that uh, it's a saying is that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Like if nobody's ex exposing you to new ideas, mm -hmm. then you don't even know to look for, for a yeah. white elephant, you know? That's real. Yeah. And also, I think that there's immense value. And I, di I didn't truly realize this until. So we started Texas New Black and then. When I was talking about everything online, people were like, oh, man, like people were willing to pay attention and listen because they were like, oh, because you look like me. And at first, at first, I thought people were tripping. I said, oh, man, you should be able to listen and learn from anybody. But I had to stop in my tracks and I had to think back to uh, a few years ago. I saw uh, Robert Smith, uh, who is um, he's a multi-billionaire. I believe he's the richest man in America. And I remember seeing him about five or six years ago at a Bishop Bronner. Shouts out to a Bishop Bronner Word of Faith. He had him out speaking. And I remember at the time I, I was I was so, so, so broke. I was more broke than I even realized I was. <laughs> and I remember watching him on stage and I felt this weird, like tingling sensation through my body. And it wasn't anything that he said. It was just my mind being like, this black man is a billionaire. And this is before Jay-Z became a billionaire, before yeah. Kanye, before all of them. So it was such a shocking thing for my for me to experience. And even though it wasn't anything that he said, but it just I remember walking away 
and it, it, my mind felt like the limits were off. I was like, yo, like, I have no excuse. Yeah. I have no excuse at all. And so I think about that even with yourself and what you've been able to accomplish and do. And that's why I'm excited about this conversation because as impactful as Texas and New Black has been for a lot of people, I'm excited for just people hearing the things you shared and who you are and your unique story, your unique knowledge, and how this is going to take the, the, the lid and the limits off of so many people this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. You said you need you need to some people need to see somebody like them doing it. That's yeah. just and, and that's just that's just I mean, I, I let me tell you one of the most uh profound moments in my life. Now yeah. I may even sound stupid. Yeah. But it, it was. It was like my my uh, my father was Puerto Rican, but I didn't yeah. know him. So I'm half Hispanic. Mm-hmm. I'm all Hispanic, but uh, just for this conversation, I'm half Hispanic. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't be half Hispanic. Somebody <laughs> said, you either got to be all or not. That's an ethnicity. Yeah, yeah, ethnicity. yeah, true. Yeah, so I'm black Hispanic, black Afro-Latino. Yeah. But, uh, but like when I, I, I went to study abroad to Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I get on the plane in Nashville. It's all white people on the, running the plane, you know, pilots, whatever. And then I get to te- Texas, and I switch to Aeromexico. I think it was Aeromexico. Aero Mexico, that's the plane. Oh, yeah, okay. So I get on there, and it's the first, man, I'm from Tennessee, like 95%, 90% white, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I, I get on the plane, and there's two Mexican pilots. I've never seen that before, ever. Oh, and it, man, was, it was shocking to me. Yeah. It was just, it changed, like, then when I, I get on the plane, land in Mexico, and, and I see Hispanics running a whole country. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds stupid. Never mind. I never, that was the first time I've been on a plane. I was yeah. like 20 years old. Oh, dang. I've okay. never been on a plane before that. Yeah. That to see them running their own country, yeah. I've never seen it on TV. I've never it That's just, true. It just changed everything. And yeah. I, I started saying, well, you know, it was just a profound moment in my life yeah. to see people that that wasn't like all one to, like it was all white people in the U.S. Yeah, true. And all of a sudden, these minorities they can run a whole country. Yeah. Then you start yeah. thinking, well, you could do anything. I yeah. could go back and do this, whatever. That was a very profound moment in my yeah. life. It sounds stupid, yeah. but I, it was. I get what you're saying because <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't that if someone had told you that you wouldn't have been like, oh no, that's crazy. It's like, just a, you yeah. would have been like, yeah, I know it. Yeah. But it's one thing it's to, to know it. something, you but it's to see it. See it. You gotta see it. That's real. Yeah, and it, 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 it like it, it was just weird, man. Like I was like, man, I just never. I knew it was possible, but I never saw it. Yeah, and that that, that was a, like yeah. a profound moment in my life that like that's that fine. changed me, like fundamentally, like bro, profoundly. I should yeah. say. I mean, bro, but that's what you are for a lot of people. A lot yeah. of people look at you and they're like, well, yeah. I mean, can a can a black man be a be a software engineer, yeah, which you've been at? You know, can a black man, you know, be knowledgeable on these variety of different topics? Can a black man build a business, scale it, be able to sell it, own, still own stock in it, do all the different things? And it's like, so people look at you and it's like, they're like, yeah, I know it can exist. But to see you, you're that for a lot of people. To see that is different than hearing about it. And to see it in person is even, like you see it on TV. Because we we see the TV or any screen that you look at is like almost a barrier. Yeah. This is an imaginary world over there. So when you see it in person, like you with Robert Smith, yeah, it's completely different. That's true. <laughs> it's like you know you could you could, if you wanted to you could touch this dude, man. You know that's real. So yeah. it's 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 way different than like seeing it on TV or yeah. whatever. Man, so in, in the midst of this, we talk about seeing something. You you put up a post on social media where you were addressing saying, "Men, you know, be the man that you needed growing up." I believe the state of the world, especially in certain certain first world countries, the state of the world right now, many things are in disarray. There's a lot of opportunity, but there are a lot of things that are in disarray. And I think one of the things that are heavily in disarray are the state of men right now. 
Like, one, what do you think of the state of men? And two, what do you think that men can do to start to, like, get things back on track? The masculinity is under attack. It, Definitely. It is. It's under attack. And, um, and I don't know what the underlying reason is, yeah. but it is. You it know? definitely it's is. It's like they don't want, they want almost everybody to be the same, but that's not how the way the world works. If you go yeah. out into the animal kingdom anywhere else, you see that there's a clear difference between men and women. Yes. It has to be that because yes. that's what's in our makeup, mm-hmm. right? And and I, I've noticed in my life growing up without a father, whatever, whenever there's mm-hmm. a lack of masculinity, mm-hmm. that's when all kind of evil comes in. Man. You know, you don't have a father. Like a lot of times we, me and my brother were treated worse because there's no masculine father. And you even heard, like, I remember I was uh, listening to, like, some child, uh, like, molesters, something, like, child abusers. Yeah. And one of the things they said, they said, if I look in that household and I see a strong male figure, I won't go after those I kids. heard about that. You heard about that? Yeah. Because it's too much, you know, I don't want a, that man to, like, you know, bother me. So I go after people with either no father or people weak with weak fathers. fathers. Yeah. That's who I go after. And a lot of them say that, consistent around, you know, child molesters. But that lack of masculinity causes this evil to fill the void yeah. or any, anything else to fill the void. Yeah. Because it has to be something in that hole that we're leaving. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying is that sometimes it's hard being a man. Sometimes when you're a, you're a masculine man in your household, you're, um, I mean, you're going to be lonely. Yeah. You know, your kids may not like you because you have to be a father instead of a friend. Mm. You know, uh, you know, it, it, it's not easy to do that. No, and a lot no. of people just stray from it. And, you know, it's easier just to be a, you know, not be masculine, just walk around like that yeah. than it is to be a, a man, even in a, like a, a work atmosphere. Right. It's easy to be everybody's friend. It's hard to be the masculine leader. That's true. And you could be a female, too. I'm not saying it's male or female. But yeah, to be yeah. that masculine leader, you're going to be alone. Yeah. People really not going to like you, but the job gets done, and those people need that leadership and that masculinity. For you to just come out, I'm, I'm you know, everybody's friend and all this stuff, and I'm nice. Mm-hmm. That that causes problems. That's real. That causes uh, you know serious problems in that whole relationship, whether it's work at home or any other place. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what I think that we all need to step. Men need to step up and be men, even though it's hard. It is, and yeah. fill that void uh, so that evil can't creep in. Yeah. Man, I agree 100% with everything you said. I love it so much. Uh, there's so much value that I got from this conversation. Uh, let us know how y'all feel about this. You know, ladies and men, we want to hear from everybody. Like, do what do you feel the state of men are today? Do you agree uh, with both uh, Armando as well as myself that, that it's one, it's hard being men. It's hard being masculine. There's definitely an attack on masculinity. But also, it's still necessary. It's still necessary to be masking. It's still necessary for men, for all of us to step it up. Let us know. We definitely want to hear from y'all. Uh, Armando, man, uh, we got to wrap up, but I definitely want you to leave the people with with something that you want to share with them that's on your heart before we close out. Uh, I would just say, uh, like, like tech changed my life, man. Like, anybody that's thinking about a tech career, I'm telling you, it's almost no way you can go wrong. We talked about a way that you can get into tech with recruiting, mm-hmm. and there's, like, countless other ways, man. Yeah. You don't have to be a software engineer. You don't have to be a developer. You, It's, it's tech, and I actually, I got, a, I got a book called Strategic Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on Amazon. And I talk about this is that, Jobs in tech pay like 20 to 30 percent more than jobs out. Like, if I'm an accountant, I could work for a tech company, I make 20 to 30 percent more yes. than if I didn't work for a tech company. Yeah, so it, there's, there's so many opportunities in tech, and tech does have the power to change people's lives. Yeah, introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.